Welcome to probably the best fitness and nutrition podcast. This is your host, Bradley Schneller, owner of Roof Fitness and Stack Coaching. What's everybody? What's everybody? (laughs) We'll get it right eventually. What's up, everybody? Uh, I'm Bradley Schneller. Um, owner of Roof Fitness and Stacked Coaching, and I am turning 38. And so, happy I, birthday to Bradley! Thank you, thank you. I wanted to bring in someone to interview me, um, and one of the podcast guests that we had, I had the most rapport with, and who I consider to be one of my close friends, even though we don't talk often, um, is Doctor Boss Floss. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan Thibodeau of the Bucktown All-Stars, Tiger Ragtag, Marching Band, Storyville Family Dentistry, uh, Century Bike Rider, Jack of Everything. That is awesome. Oh, that sounds nice. I like the way that you say that. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm going to kind of let Ryan take over here and take the rest of the podcast on, and I am going to answer all of his questions. Yeah, so. I just want to thank you for having me here. It's a big compliment. You're welcome. For you to reach out to me and say, hey, look, uh, for my birthday celebration, I want to do a podcast and explore some things. So, um, yeah, thanks for having me here. Uh, as you mentioned, we don't talk. Is uh, I, I agree. We have great rapport. Yeah. Um, I've told other people you remind me of a, a younger, more energetic version of myself. I, I don't know how I'm more energetic than you, but yes, you I'll are. take it. <laughs> uh, and and I think ever since we've met, which wasn't that long ago, um, uh, we've kind of hit it off. And we don't talk a lot, but it seems like when we do talk, it we kind of get right to it. And that's that's a nice friendship to have. For yeah. Sure. I'm 10 um, years younger than you? Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. 10 years. And I can't even remember what I was doing when I was 38, I guess. That's I was, good. That's good to yeah. know. <laughs> right. I, I mean, think I was uh I was probably right where you are with the with your kids, the same around yeah. the same age, you know. Well it just means that anything that I do right now that might be detrimental to my life isn't so detrimental that oh, yeah. it's gonna affect me in ten years. That's right. <laughs> That's right. You could work through it all for sure. So we sat and we chatted a little bit and we talked about some books we had been reading, which I think is an interesting uh topic that we could touch on. Um, and then we just kind of explored a couple of questions, um, that we might want to run through. And, um, we were talking about ideas because I think one of the things you and I said is, um, how we wanted to be defined, not necessarily by, uh, our current story or our past story, but we wanted to be energized by what's coming next. Yeah. And I think that's one of the keys to the way you and I live is that we keep things on our calendar, on our itinerary, and on our priority list that naturally are a fuel source for us, um, avoiding the day-to-day kind of um, grind right. by trying to interject upcoming events, upcoming travel, upcoming uh, expansions and business explorations of ideas and such. Um, and that just, I, I, I really think that's an important point of living an exciting life is to realize that's a that's an exercise yeah that you have to participate in so what's get got you excited right now Whew. so i've kind of this sounds crazy but like i've reinvested myself into my kids mm-hmm. i don't think that's crazy and well I, well you know there's, a, there's so much 
focus on success, yeah. right? And success in business. Um, I would say for our age group, it, it really comes down to success in business, you know? Yep. Um, and especially for the circles that I play in, you know, it's more entrepreneurial type of people. Yep. And it's like, you know, people talking metrics and mm -hmm. what's your growth like and all that other stuff. And so for the longest time, I focused on that mm -hmm. and kind of threw myself in there. Um, at the same time, I was always fantasizing about what's next. Yes. Where can I get to? What's next? I'm like fantasizing about this thing five years from here and what I'll be able to do then right. and not focusing on now sure. and the present. Um, and I had a conversation with my wife, Emily, today, and uh, I basically broke down and cried and said that I've, you know, one thing that I've done really, really well lately is be super present with mm -hmm. my kids. And I was thinking, like, what the fuck was I doing the past two years? Yeah. yeah. Like, I'm, I well, feel hustling. like I miss so much. Yeah. You know? And, I mean, the reality is I was there for all the things. Right. But, I mean, like, story time at bedtime. Oh, little yeah. things like that. Little yeah. things. You know? And I still coach my kids' soccer team and things like that. But the day-to-day intricacies that I basically let my parents do mm -hmm. or Emily do, I, I was missing. Yeah. You know, it's funny you mentioned that because uh, we had an experience, Linda and I had an experience where we were either listening to something or, or watching something recently, and it was from a Broadway show uh, from Wicked. And I said, that's a catchy song. You know, that'd, that'd be cool to see that. And she was like, Ryan, you saw that play. You sat through it. And I was like, no, I didn't. She was like, no, you did. <laughs> like, you're like, you were physically there. And I was like, wow. So I was physically there, yet I was so preoccupied at the time um, with the hustle and yeah. everything else that I wasn't really there. I didn't even remember hardly sitting at that play. And that was one. That was a moment for me of hearing her say that because your kids will never say anything like that. I mean, your wife is there to observe that. Maybe your close friends or your parents will say that. But then you wonder how many experiences what was I present for but not truly being engaged in that experience. And I think, you know, I mentioned the last couple of years, I think it extends past that. I think it, for me, um, I have lived in a dream state for two decades, mm. Mm. you know? And it's weird um, where, it's not weird, it's just my personality where I've always like, you know, if I, if I align myself with the right people, if I align myself with the right things, um, my intelligence will get me where I want to get and I'll fall in the right direction. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I never really just stopped and was like, hey, you know what? It's okay to just be good at the day-to-day -day and, and be satisfied with what I have here at the gym, what I have with our uh, stacked coaching and our nutrition program, like be happy with the success that I've created for my clients. Be happy with the changes people have made in their lives. Like I have just shit on all those feelings mm. for so long because I'm thinking about like, what can I build it so that 
I can build this million dollar house with a pool and have people over and I'm picturing the party. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Instead of fucking living every single day. Yeah. Yeah. How many parties are you actually missing to get to the dream party that you have in your head? Right. Right. And so I've started to do that and live in the present, you know, the last couple of weeks. Uh, and I know it's short lived, but like that is what I'm excited about is yeah. doing that and living that um, day to day. Yeah. Yeah. It said that to live with a full heart and uh, live a life of abundance. You don't need more things. You just need more awareness as to what's going on around you to the relationships that you have. You well, um, and yes, and success is relative. It is. Right. And I was going to challenge you on that because the other day we were talking and I, I proposed, you know, an idea to you that I thought you would be really good at. And you said, well, I can't do that because I'm not successful enough. And I went and thought about that. I was like, and and I, and I said, well, first you have to define success is what I, the way right. I think I, you know, I answered it. But but just by adding not successful enough, you know, like says who, you know, says who? Yeah, I mean, it says your internal voice, that it, nagging voice. It's funny because we I talk about with our clients all the time, like limiting beliefs, right? Like mm -hmm. we we all put these limiting beliefs on. I can't do this. I can't do that. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and that's part of this, right? Yeah. Like that's part of me saying I'm not successful enough to be able to do mm -hmm. this thing we were talking about. Yeah. Um, but on the on the same token, like I thought I, when I viewed success, I viewed it as money, then time, mm. right? Yeah. But like having this time while doing money, like having money. Mm -hmm which creates the ability for me to do fun things with right. the time that I have. Right. But it's as I sit with that, like there's not a lot of people that have money and time at 45 hmm. or 38. We'll yeah. say 38. Yeah. Right. Um, most of those people are above 50. Mm-hmm. Okay. Maybe okay. earlier, but most people are above 50 yeah. and you got to have some luck into some stuff maybe to happen. Now, like you, there are some people that are special and grinders, yeah. you know, and awesome for those people. Mm -hmm. I don't think I'm one of those, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and so when I think about what does success look like to me, um, it's being happy with what I do. And it providing a living for me while I have time for my family. Mm -hmm. Here's the funny thing. I have that now. Mm. Yeah. That's pretty powerful. Yeah. I just came to that realization within the past couple of weeks. So, yeah. And sometimes it takes a knock on the head to realize. Yeah, that, absolutely. You know, it really does. Um, yeah. You're talking about a, a, a magazine envision of, what success is right financial independence um no worries about uh cash flow and as a result of that um the time allowed to do the things you really want to do yeah um how many people truly achieve that and like you said if they do most probably achieve it later in life when they don't have maybe the physical ability um or the creativity to explore because i know some very financially fit people 
that have don't have the creative muscle to explore further than what they do. Yeah. Um, and they're comfortable doing exactly what they do. Um, that's an interesting one. I, that just really sat on me when you said not successful enough, because I've been there too. And I've, you know, uh, you know, ultimately the, the, the robber of joy is a comparison, right? So you sit back and you look at other, uh, models similar to yours in the fitness world. Um, and it's easy to sit back and compare and say, well, that person's, Right. X amount of members more than me or X amount of growth percentage growth uh, annually or monthly or X amount of dollars or drive a nice car. And it's all a comparison game. Yeah, you know, it really is. And it you eats know, away at your sense of self. We were talking on Sunday and I'd like you to share the story with me. We were talking about vacations and you were talking to me about you, the vacation that Owen, your son, <laughs> found to be the most memorable. Um, and you've done a lot of amazing things. You've taken your kids to very expensive vacations. Um, but can you tell everyone what was his most memorable or most fun vacation he went on with you? Yeah. So my thoughts were he would answer saying um, that it was a ski trip because he loves to go skiing. Yeah. Uh, we've skied with family. We've also done like a dude's ski trip, which I yeah. know he really enjoyed. Um, uh, we've done Disney. We've done cruises. We've done um, uh, Mexico. We've done you know parts outside of the United States, and he said that his favorite trip. And he actually wrote about it. I don't think it was in his college and college admission paper, but it was for a pretty big paper. Was a simple trip that we had planned where we flew into Oregon. We rented a camper van, and our plan was over eight days was just to drive and hang out and check out Washington State. We yeah. were in the northern part of Oregon, so we started right at uh, the Columbia River Gorge, uh, Lewis and Clark territory, and we did some camping. We had no reservations, um, so we weren't targeting to be here on a certain day and here on a certain day, um, and we just kind of did it spontaneously. And each day, uh, he would sleep in in the van and I would get up and I would usually go on a light run or a, a hike to kind of scope things out. Yeah. And then I'd come back and I'd start cooking breakfast. It had a little, uh, it was a cooking unit in it. And he'd start to wake up and, you know, we'd wake up, have breakfast, and then we'd go off and do a little adventure. Sometimes we'd stay overnight. Sometimes we would move to the next. And over eight days, we only had one destination and that was we visited some friends in Canada. And, uh, and so it was just hanging out. We did Mount Rainier. We did the Washington coast, which is gorgeous. We called it our Sasquatch adventure. We were looking for Sasquatch. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and we did some fun stuff and it was just a lot of just hanging out and, um, sitting around just, you know, doing a lot of nothing. And that's the trip that he spoke about that he, that he enjoyed the most. You know, we had this one experience where on this last night of the trip, we were at Mount Rainier and um, we were camping not quite at, at probably mid-level mountain uh, campsite. So real clear skies, stream running by. And I oh, said, wow. let's pull our, our chairs down right next to the stream. And you could hear these massive boulders running in, down this uh, snow melt stream. And we're just going to sit here and we're going we're gonna to count to 10. We're going to find 10 shooting stars. Well, we got to like eight or nine faster than we thought we would. And I was like, we're not going in until we see an amazing shooting star. And within 10 minutes of saying that, we saw one start almost like in what would have been the valley, like coming up the stream. And it was to the point where I could look at him and say, do you see what I'm seeing? And we're looking right. at it. And this shooting star just rolled over our head 
and just kept going. And it was, the, and I was like, we're not going to end with a better experience than that. Let's like go. that was the way to, to get, and we still laugh about that shooting star because it was, it was ridiculous. It was so bright and beautiful and well-timed and it, almost like it was sent for us, you know? And, uh, and that's the trip he talks about out of, out of all the trips we've taken. And it was one where it wasn't overplanned. In fact, there was no plan just hanging out. And so we, we talked about that and we said the, the big thing that comes from that is it's time. Mm. It's time to bond yep. between each other. Um, and I think, you know, for so long, I do this, other people do it, is like, we just want to fill time with these things mm. instead of letting us just be. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like uh, last night, um, we went normally, like, I'll drop my son off for soccer, go home, I'll meal prep or do work or whatever then i'll drive back and pick him up but last night um i decided we went back home for a little bit i fed vivian some food and then i was like let's go to the last 30 minutes and just watch your brother play uh practice so we went out there and i just i sat on the ground and vivian sat on my lap and we looked up at the stars Mm. and we wished upon stars and um I didn't care about my, I mean, I took a picture because it was cute, you know, but other than that, like my phone was away from me. Like we were just there chilling, just taking it in. And I'm like, man, I've been missing this for years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're waking up at a good time because you haven't missed it. Right. 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 You're waking up at a great time. We talked about the other day to a book that I recently read um, called The Big Leap that was given to me by a friend. Um, and I read it at a time where we were evacuated with Ida. We were out on the West Coast in California. And she gave me this book and I just dove into it. And he talks about um, existing in a zone of genius mm-hmm. where you're naturally at your most creative, energetic point. And he says when you're living in that point, time is expansive. You're not filling the minutes in. Right. right. It's not finite. You don't have you don't truly have 24 hours in the day because once you start taking all that stuff away, it's amazing what you can accomplish um, and what you experience, not accomplish as in checklist, but what you experience in a full day. You know, and I think a lot of people probably had some of that experience when the power went out with the storm and they're like, wow, this day is really long because you didn't have the distractions of, you know, TV and the phone and all those other things going on. You could just kind of sit in that time, you know? But I told you this weekend, uh, the AT&T had an outage uh, for fiber at my house. And yeah. we our TV watching is through AT&T. Yeah. So we went almost 48 hours without the internet um, at the house. And I mean, I had work to do, so I ran a hotspot. But like, it made it difficult for distractions. Yeah. So what I ended up doing, like, it's stuff that like my parents do with my kids that I don't. Right. And it's like finding different things in the backyard in as my daughter would call it nature to help make a picture for her aunt or my aunt like yeah and she wanted to glue it on paper and then color it yeah like a collage of leaves yeah and flowers and things like that right fucking had fun like (laughs) that's what we did you know and then i played cards with my son and things like that and there was no like electronics happening yeah we uh, do this fun thing when we go out to visit. Some of our best friends live out in, uh, on a farm in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. 
and um, they have uh, kids that are just a year or two younger than ours, and they've grown up together, so they love each other like like first cousins. And when we go out there, um, uh, the dad and I will pull out. He has a satellite image of his property, and we'll put together um, kind of a scavenger hunt around yeah. the property. And it's completely ridiculous. Some of the things that we have them find and look over, turn over, and all this stuff. And I've never seen more joy out of four kids yeah. coming back. They're out there for like an hour and a half, and we give them a walkie-talkie for like emergency clues if they just really get hung up on something. Right. Uh, and he can follow them on his property using a little GPS tracker. Like, oh, here they are. That's pretty cool. They're almost on top of it. They're going to figure it out. And if they can't, they'll say, all right, we're, we have the clue. We're standing right here. We know it's this. And then he'll give them a little lead. Yeah. Um, and then at the end, they'll have to dig to, or climb something to find the treasure. And the best treasure we ever had for them is we had a, a box of donuts. Those kids came back soaking wet, being in the woods, you know, mud all over their legs, scraped up with branches, and a box of you know a half dozen donuts as happy as can be. And, uh, and and that's just one of those experiences where you say, man, it doesn't take much, you know? No, it doesn't. No, no. And here you are planning the, you know. The ten day uh, getaway to Disney and and uh, the meals and all that other stuff and you know it's not that they don't care about it but they they right. really just yeah are we doing that for them or we're doing it for us that's right yeah that's right and that's I really I've, I that's the other thing I thought about a lot is like how many times have I done something for someone under the guise of me doing it selflessly but really i was doing it to fulfill something within me yep yep fuck i know how much <laughs> of your life yeah have you, have you done that yeah oh man do you live by uh, a set of like core values or something i know you're like a planner and you're a checklister and all so that. i'm a, actually i'm not i'm not a planner and i'm not a checklist no no that that's emily uh she's okay. a planner checklist i live by the seat of my pants which that's most urgent okay yeah which is probably not great <laughs> well, it's gotten you, you it's gotten me much. where i am yeah. um it's also scary for people uh mm. and you know, like I do live by feel and it's, yep. if I feel something is right, I I go all into it. Yeah. You know, um, for example, and this is where I can bite you in the butt. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'll, I'll share this example. And this is, this is perfect for this podcast. Um, everybody knows the story that I tore my shoulder. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I, uh, I found Active Life, which is this company that's like online PTs, but they help programming my workouts and stuff like that. And they basically, through programming my fitness routine on a daily basis, I was able to recover, be pain-free, doing stuff in the gym I haven't done in a really long time um, and without surgery. Hmm. And it changed my life. And hmm. it changed the way I thought about fitness. So I was like, fuck, if it's good for me, mm. it's good for everyone else like this. And so I found out there's like an educational course for it. Um, and I'm like, this is what we're going to do at Rue. Mm -hmm. You know? How was it different from what you were already doing at Rue? 
So what we were already doing at Rue is just like group fitness. I program a workout for the gym. And I mean, we still somewhat do that. It's changed a little mm -hmm. bit, but it was very like, hey, this is CrossFit. And, then, you know, um, we were always different, but similar to what other gyms are doing in the area in gotcha. terms of what people okay. might call CrossFit. Okay. Um, and so what I saw was this emphasis on someone's anatomy or their range of motion or mobility or whatever um, and having workouts be programmed specifically to that so they can get the best benefit for them individually. Got it. Um, and as I'm going through this education and these courses and seminars, I'm like, shit, the stuff that I did before seemed like kindergarten. Mm. Like how we like focused on fitness before it felt like kindergarten mm -hmm. and this felt like graduate level classes. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yep. And so me being who I am is like, we're going all in. Let's do yeah, this. Like, let's yeah. go. Boom. Um, you're either on board or you're not. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, not a lot of people are on board. Yeah. Scared a lot of people. Scared a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and it actually, for a little bit, if I'm being totally honest, created a little bit of a schism in the gym and mm. didn't feel great. Um, and I feel like we've since repaired a lot of that. Mm -hmm. uh, but it had me going like, we got to slow down. Mm. And it was one of those things where, A, I didn't properly prep the gym. I didn't properly prep the mm -hmm. coaches. I didn't properly, like, the market, mm. you know, whether it's New Orleans, Jefferson, you know, specifically Rue Fitness was not ready Mm. for the next step right you know right and by me going zero to 100 i created tension and difficulty that didn't need to be created because Absolutely. i i just flew by the seat of my pants yeah so lessons learned yeah um and we're back to having fun and doing group fitness with a little mix of that and we're still doing that you know i have individually programmed clients now so we're slowly leaking it in there. I have some coaches going through the courses right now um, so that we can give people more individual attention. Uh, but on a large scale rollout, mm -hmm. I pull back completely on that. Mm. Interesting. So if you, um, so that was a, a gut feeling and, and it charged you in a way and you jumped after it. Yeah. Um, I've had some experiences like that too. And I found that in reflection that usually... I had just, um, I'd failed to really communicate at a pace that people were receiving. So my pace was so intense. I was on page 20 of the booklet and they were just starting to turn the first page. And, and I experienced the same like pushback. Yeah. Um, I, I, it's like I had seen the future and I had already written it out. And why are you fuckers not on board yet? You know, like what's yes. taking y'all so long? The yeah. reality is, is my communication was so poor that yes. they had no idea what was going on. Right. You right. know? Yeah. I, I had a similar experience as that. And, and it was honestly through Bucktown that there was a time uh, probably eight or ten years ago when I, in my own head, it created this vision of what the nevel, next level looked like. For the band. For the band. Yeah. And um, I drew some comparisons from people outside of our current market. Yeah. So like, you know, I, I was exposed to a couple of shows and I was like, well, this is 
at a higher level than what we're experiencing locally. Um, and different light show, different sequence, different this and that. And um, I remember coming back to the band and saying, well, this is a no brainer. We got to do this and we got to do this. Yeah. We got to invest in this and <laughs> our website needs to look at this. And I've right. done the research on the websites and this yeah. is what theirs looks like. And we need to get some people in here to do some, some you know, first class interviews so we can put the video on our websites and this and that. And the guys were like, they just like, what are you talking about? You know? Right. And then, and, and, it, and it created that same type of, you know, friction friction yeah, yeah. friction friction is the better word for it annoyed by it they yes. were annoyed by yes it, you know because i'm pulling and they're pulling back and um the interesting thing is that like you said of those 10 ideas that i shared eventually two or three of them came to fruition yeah they did but the whole plan was not going to be digested in one big bite like i thought it was ready for um and it probably wouldn't have worked if we would have done all those 10 things. And they wouldn't have been part of the decision-making process. It would have been me leading. That was the hard thing. So now I've learned in my office that if I have an idea or if I have an interest about something, the first thing I should do is um, kind of cultivate that same interest with my team members. Like instead of trying to sell them on a new product. Well, that's what I did. Concept. I sat every better down and was like, this is why we should do this. Like I was selling them yeah. on it. You know what I mean? Instead of gauging interest. Yes. You know, and presenting the information, be like, what does everyone think? Right. I didn't do that at all. Um, so lesson here for everyone listening is communication is key. Yeah. Think about how you present that information to the audience. What are you trying to accomplish by that communication? Um, and if you think about like what you're trying to accomplish, uh, it's going to change the tenor in which you present the information for sure. sure. You know, sure. Uh, and and like you, we still have a lot of those ideas that we are working on, mm-hmm. um, and a lot that I just threw away because it wasn't right. The timing wasn't right. Um, our culture was already like one thing, mm-hmm. and it's hard to change that, right? Yeah. Uh, and so we're working on those ideas, and how can we get better? with no friction right you know and it'd be a team effort and be like a team a effort team, yeah yeah i had some so like we had our just today uh, we just finished our stacked coach and nutrition meeting with our coaches um and i had some ideas for how i think maybe the program should change and, and i presented the information today with like hey does anyone feel like we're having some issues with this this and this mm-hmm. like what do you guys think would be some solutions for mm-hmm how we could fix that you know i have one but like let's sit on it we'll come back next week and and talk about it that's a much better way to handle uh creating change and pushing a program forward rather than the way i just right because it gives laid the hammer down before opportunity for ownership of it right if it's just bradley's idea then it takes some more oh we're just doing it because it's bradley's thing it's this and that but if, oh, if we sat down and we talked about this and we shared what we thought, then you get that ownership. Also, no one else experienced the life changes that I experienced. That's right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I wanted to impose how I felt on everyone else. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah, is incorrect. In there. Yeah. The other challenging thing, too, is that you've had great success. Um taking ideas and putting them into action yeah uh, they haven't all been home runs but you've had no. a lot of home runs yes and so uh in a way you feel uh you've earned 
the ability to present and you've earned the trust. But in actuality, if your team is not bought into it, then it's just another idea, you know? Yeah. Um, well, you know that phrase, shoot or shoot? Yeah. Well, I'm just going to keep shooting. <laughs> it's like, you know, I, there's this uh, guy who just got drafted by the Pelicans named Trey Murphy, number 25. Uh, he is a rookie out of Virginia, um, and he is a beast behind the arc, okay? And um, he was doing an interview the other day, and he said, you know, my job is to shoot. I'm a shooter. I'll always be a shooter. If I miss 14 in a row, it's not going to scare me from hoisting up that next one. Huh. And that's a lot like business you know like mm. people that are entrepreneurs um you need to keep hoisting up those ideas absolutely. you're gonna fail more than you succeed yes you absolutely will fail more than you succeed um but on those it only takes one success to change your life yep the failures they they're not gonna like i said nothing i do in you know at 38 is gonna mm. fuck me up till i'm 48 right you know um, but if I find that one idea that succeeds, mm -hmm. well, that will affect me at 48. Yeah. For sure. And take you to the next level, the next yeah. step and continue on. Do you have like a mantra or anything that you, uh, say to get yourself mentally, if you're not feeling it, uh, you're a movement guy. So do you resort to exercise and movement or do you do uh, mindfulness stuff or repeat a mantra or do you have, so I, I don't, you know, it's, it's funny. Like I, my therapist says I'm a sensitive guy, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> but I am not a woo-woo type of guy. Like okay. I'm definitely not woo. So like the idea of repeating a mantra would be difficult for me. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I know it works for a lot of people. For me, it is difficult. Um, the thing that gets me like jacked for the day is opportunities. Hmm. And so, like, I always talk about how Monday morning is my favorite morning. Okay. Because I have a whole new week. It's the new week. So it's like last week was last week. Mm -hmm. This is this week with a whole brand new opportunities. Wow. Um, and that's kind of how I approach it. So realistically, like, my morning sets me up for success. Like, if I have a good morning, the rest of my day is gravy. Right. And so to me, that's waking up and like making a good cup of coffee. Um, and I do write out like the things that I want to be successful at that day. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not like I have a list that's a to-do list, but it's not a to-do list. It's a success list. Like if I do these three things or these five things today, today will be a success. Hmm. And then I even rank those. Hmm. Sometimes, not all the time. Yeah. Sometimes we're like, okay, this is the most important thing. If I do this one thing today, today will be a success. Got it. I think the problem is, is when a lot of us focus on, I got 20 things I need to do today. Mm. And you're paralyzed. Yes. By it, right? But the reality is, is do you really need to do all 20 of those things today? No. What's the one thing you need to do for today? Right. Because one is more important than the rest. Clearly. And then yeah. you just go down from there. Rank them. So that's kind of how I set my day up. That's what gets me jacked up. Does it always work out? No. Yeah. Bombs happen in the middle of the day to, right. to the best of us, right? Um, but more often than not, it works. And are you a routine guy at this point in your life? Have you yes. Routine? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm very, um, you know, I, I love food. I love cooking. But for the most part, I eat the same stuff every day. Mm -hmm. Um. 
most people know, uh, if you listen to this podcast, that I track my, I weigh and track my food every single day. Um, I've even brought scales to meals. So Ryan and I went and had smoothies at Main Squeeze on Sunday with the kids and uh, to kind of pr- prep mm-hmm. for this. Um, and I had a smoothie. I had their pumpkin smoothie, pumpkin spice smoothie. That's not one of their regular things. So I was trying to find what amounts they put in it and i saw like right over the counter there was a picture with like ounces of this and tablespoon of this and i like reached my phone over took a picture of it so that i could go back in and track and, and track it all wow yeah it's a little much wow. <laughs> but but doing that allows me to create routine and control so yeah. like if i can control my nutrition you know, that's something that I can control that no one else yep. can take over for me. Um, and just having a little bit of that, like, gives me safety and security for the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it just helps me remain calm. So, like, that is my routine. Um, safety, security, and momentum. I think momentum is so key um, for people to understand to live in a world um, where everything's driven by energy, then there are ways that you can gain momentum throughout the day. And you mentioned that by controlling your meal plan. So by doing that, you eliminate minutes, if not hours of decision-making on yes. what you're going to eat. Yes. Whereas other people, like when I go to a restaurant and someone opens the menu and it takes them 20 minutes to process the menu, I was like, how can it possibly take you 20 minutes to process? And Linda does this every time. And then she'll look at it for 20 minutes and, she, and then and the waitress will come and she'll say, or waiter, and she'll say, what are you getting? And I was like, what does it matter? You just spent 20 minutes dissecting the, the menu. One of my pet peeves, and, and people do this all the time, Emily does this, and I, I laugh about it. It's not a pet peeve, but yeah. I think it's funny, okay? is they'll be like, you know, they ask the server, what is your favorite thing on the menu? Uh-huh. Like, we have similar tastes. Like, <laughs> right. right. You know? Yeah. And it's actually like, I think it puts the server in a shitty situation because if it's their favorite thing and you don't like it, yeah. does it affect their tip? <laughs> right. It probably does. Right? So that's fucked uh, up. It, don't yeah. do that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So we were talking about just how you can uh, um, gain momentum through um, controlling the way you uh, expend your time on yeah. choices like, you know, um, you know what you're going to eat, how you're going to spend your morning, where you're going to get your coffee, what that looks like. Um, for me, I have a very simple routine of, um, you call it a mental checklist, but for me, when I'm getting up in the morning, um, you know, I, same thing. I like to have a, a cup of black coffee, some quiet time to read. Usually Linda's right next to me when we're reading. We're not always talking about what we're reading, but we're yeah. just having quiet time to kind of wake up, get going. Um, and then, uh, one of my first wins is I like to leave the house with the bed made. Oh, me too. Got to make the bed. It's got to be made. And it's like, it's a victory, right? It is a victory. And then I, I make the bed. And then um, and then after I finish making the bed, I usually do um, a set of push-ups. Um, and that's like 10 to 15 push-ups. We're not talking about 200 push-ups. And that's just because it gets me moving. That's the first part of the day where I'm like, actually, okay, like today yeah. is getting going, you know? Uh, have some water. I'm doing a quick uh, get together um, of, you know, what what I'm going to wear. And then ideally I'm getting on the bike and riding into work, you know, um, something I've been doing uh, lately is, um, 
I've been trying to use positive thoughts in the morning to kind of uh, snowball for the rest of the day. So as I'm riding the bike, I notice a lot of people in the morning are kind of waking up on the bike path. So I'm purposely like the good morning guy now. Good morning, good morning, <laughs> good morning, good morning. I like it. <laughs> and it's so goofy to where people now smile when they see me coming. Cause I, I'm, you know, riding my bike, I got flashers on it and I get, you know, goofy helmet and all that stuff. And I'm like, good morning. And I see the same, a lot of the same people yeah. doing their thing. Um, and, and I got that idea from, uh, I, I was on a, on a service trip in Puerto Rico. And uh, each morning, we were with a group of high school girls. It was my daughter's class from Sacred Heart. And we would meet for like 8.30. Well, I, would, I was up much earlier than that. So I'd get up every morning. And I'd go to the beach, watch sunrise, and I'd do a, a run. And when I tell you, I don't know if it was just like the area of Puerto Rico that we were in, but every person I saw on the street, uh, most of them going to work or leaving work or whatever. Yeah. It's like, you know, 6 a.m., 6.30 in the morning. Every person said, buen dia, like good morning. Like it didn't matter if I was on the other side of the street. It was like a buen dia. And I was, you know, clearly a tourist or not, uh, you know, Puerto Rican, dark complected. Um, but that was part of, and, and it just became like music to my run. I remember that more than I remember kind of where I ran or how long I ran or what I ate for breakfast. I just remember everyone saying, when do you? You know, it's funny. Like I think about that. Like my, my dad does that. Uh -huh. He tells everyone good morning all the time <laughs> yeah. or like, Hey, how are you doing? You know, that type yeah. of thing. Um, and for a while, like in certain situations, I'd be like, wow, just don't talk to those people, you know, <laughs> but I've never seen anyone dislike it. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of like disarming. Yeah. And it makes people, exhale and relax yeah it's yeah. interesting yeah now a lot of people have pods in right so when right. you acknowledge them and just say something good morning they can sometimes hear you and know what you're saying it's like it's almost jarring to a point where you see someone walking and their heads down and they're listening to whatever on in with their pods and then they look up and they see you blinking hey good morning i had a friend of mine um she said that she loves going to the grocery store because like she has a lot of random conversation mm. and i'm like oh i never have random conversation but that's because i have earbuds in right and i'm like purposely trying not to talk to anyone right and maybe i'm missing out on like opportunities for human interaction huh on a, on an airplane do you wear headphones or are you a talker to the guy next to you or the guy i will talk if someone talks to me okay it depends on the situation. Yeah. If we, if I feel like we're a good fit oh, for conversation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <that's great. laughs> I also like, I will not fly regular economy. Okay. Like I have to at least be in comfort plus. Okay. Is that a way of screening out who you might appropriately talk to? Or is it just. I, I like the other seats are too small. Like I yeah. get my knees are weird. And if I have to sit with them like super cramped up, I can't do it. Yeah. And yeah, it's a little bit of a screening process. Yeah. Is Emily a big talker in like public situations like that? I don't think Emily is a huge talker on a plane, but she will. Yeah. That's we're, I'm, we're both open to it. Like I'm open to talking. Yeah. Like I will have a conversation with you. Um, I remember I was flying back from, Wyoming, uh, after our trip to uh, Grand Teton National Park. And this lady, she was coming to New Orleans to do like a restaurant tour with her husband and her son. Her son is a chef in 
Northern California. And she's telling me about this town they live in Northern California. And she's talking about how beautiful it is. And uh, we're talking 45 minutes, an hour, or something like that. Started talking towards the end. I give them some restaurant recommendations. And she tells me about this private beach they have. Well, it's not private. It's public, but no one knows about it. Hmm. And she's like, how beautiful of a beach it is in this town in Northern California. And I'm like, well, what town? She's like, I can't tell you. <laughs> and I'm like, why can't you tell me? And she said, well, if I told you, everyone will know where this beach is. Right. And I don't want people to know. The secret is out. Yeah, so no one talks about this beach. Is that nuts or what? That's interesting. I mean, good for them. Yeah, good for them as well. Because right. I was going to go visit that beach. Right, you <laughs> crash it with a... Screw with that, a I'm going. <laughs> no pants. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I find that I have more... I like to engage in conversation when I know it'll be unexpected and a little... Um, you know, I won't necessarily sit and talk... Uh, extensively with a server a waiter or uh, a steward or something like that but if i'm checking out in the grocery aisle i might talk to the person who's checking me out you know um something like that um it's interesting like when do you feel are there ever like Ah, let me rephrase this. Is there a conversation where you would want to cut off or keep going? Like, is there a difference between the conversations? Um, do you ever like have a hard stop? Like, hey, I gotta go, or like shut down a conversation? Are you open to always a conversation just flowing? Uh, Linda would say that I can check out pretty easily and just kind of like to the point where she and the recipient and everyone's confused around just because I'm yeah. on just the next thing. So she would probably say that I check out pretty quickly. I think it depends on the person. Like yeah. if your personality, like if there's tonal fluctuations in the person conversing with me, like I can keep it going. Like right there, there's right. variety here. Right. But there are some people that I speak to that is just very monotone through the entire conversation. I'm like, sure. I got to get out of this. Right. Uh, I'm running. Out. I'm running here. Oh, I got to take this call. Excuse well, me. This is the other thing that I've noticed about myself. Um, is that in a, in a social situation where there's a lot of people or a lot of couples, um, oftentimes I will guiltlessly engage in a conversation with one or two people. So, so you can bow out. Well, oh, no, no, no. Just because yeah. I'm more interested. Oh, yeah. I, I see what you're saying. Instead of a group of that, yeah. Linda would loves to mingle with everyone. Oh, did you talk to so-and-so? Did you see something? No, I, I was talking to, to John the whole time, you know? Um, I see where you're going with that. I'm more of like, I want to be in a pod of four or five people mm. to where if the conversation goes in a direction that I don't feel like conversing anymore, I can bow out and that conversation's still flowing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Your exit doesn't completely undermine the conversation. Right. Like, no one, yeah. no one's going to realize I'm leaving. They're all still conversing. Right. Yeah, I've really learned a lot about myself socially. And uh, I mean, talk about the age difference. In the last five or 10 years, I've learned a lot about, like I now recognize and I'll say, like if people invite me someplace, um, even if I'm interested in going, but eh, it's kind of sitting on the fence, I'll say, I'm really socially awkward. And you probably don't want me hanging around your thing, you know, and it's the truth. Like, I, I don't consider myself like the guy that you would invite to a Saints football party. I'm not gonna tell jokes. 
I'm not going to walk around the room and entertain. I don't necessarily want to talk a whole bunch about my music career or, right. or, or teeth. I certainly don't want to talk about teeth. I think I'm kind of a boring guy to have around. You know, I don't think you're a boring a guy. Group, and, and then so oh, in a group say, setting. Yeah, so then people say, setting. well, you're an entertainer. You're around people all the time. It's different. I say, but I have the buffer of my horn. Like, that is a wall. That And I'm up on the state. It's, so, yeah, I'm in, interacting in that group. But I'm not truly in that group, you know. Um, so accepting that I'm a little socially awkward. Um, I'm not a big drinker. I'm not a casual drinker. So um, I'm no longer. I used to be. I'm not. Anymore. Yeah, I won't show. I, I don't like if I won't day drink at a party. Um, you know, just because it's a party and we're watching a football game, I won't have four beers. I won't have two beers. I probably won't have one beer. You know, it's right. just not me. Um, you know, I've been in a couple of guy groups where I now can, again, guiltlessly say, oh, I'm just going to go read my book or I'm going to go rest or I'm going to go do something else or or I'm going to go take a walk. You know, um, I'm not a hanger out kind of guy, you know. That's interesting. So I I do love learning and conversing with all of our members here at Rue, like our staff clients. Um, most of the conversation is interesting and mm -hmm. i like learning about people's lives um the good thing about it is like i can turn that off yeah and leave yeah. right uh, but and the I'm other much like that my dental practice right, right. the, the other problem though it's not a problem but it's like so i have these conversations every day so when i get home i'm like deuces I'm out. Yes. like no one talked to me so my neighbors hate me i'm pretty sure I, I talked about this in my 8 30 class the other day i'm like my neighbors hate me because i don't want to hang out like don't invite me to your stuff i don't want to be in a text thread right? like, I, I don't want to talk to anyone when i get home right right yeah i same way and i'll i'll tell the kids or tell linda that i'm out of words for today because you know, <laughs> like, I'm out of words. Sorry. I've like spent a lot of time engaging with clients all day long of all ages. Right. Truly giving myself and interacting and learning more about them. Much yeah. like you do. And like ways that, you know, uh, we inspire each other to make each other better. And um, yeah, sometimes you, know, you get home or you get to a weekend and you get to a point in your day where you just, um, yeah, out of words. I get that for sure. Do you eat lunch by yourself or in a group? By myself. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And early on, people used to think that was weird. Like at my office, I don't eat with, with the rest of the team. I love them. They're always talking about funny stuff, goofy stuff, and laughing. And it's not that I don't want to laugh. It's just that I need that time. I actually go home for lunch every single day. And I, I, now, these days, um, I work mostly from home. Mm. Um my life's a little bit different now. Like we've had, I've had a major, major change in my life and it's changed up how I commit my time. Yes. Um, part of how I commit my time now is more towards my kids. Okay. But that, because of that, it's changed how I need to structure my day. Um, so consequently, I'm not at the gym a lot in the afternoons anymore. I'm either picking up my kids or doing some type of activity with my kids in the right. afternoon. Um, so typically, my morning is either I work from home in the morning and I'm at the gym for a couple hours in the afternoon, but like early afternoon, or I go to the gym early, coach, work out, and then I'm out. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but for yeah. me, for the longest time, it was like I went home from lunch because I, I do, because I talk to people all day 
for a living, basically. Either I'm doing nutrition check-ins, talking to people or talking to clients or coaching and conversing and socializing. Um, I like quiet. Yeah. Yep. I'm the same. And I think it makes me uh, more present when I'm with people because I have that quiet time. You know, we talked before about uh, Tim Ferriss and, and in his early writing, he talked about the new rich. He said the old concept of rich had to do with bank accounts and right. assets and all that stuff. And the new rich have a better understanding of how they use that time. I love that. Yeah. Because they put a value on their hours. Um, early on in my, in my dental career, um, I didn't work Fridays and I cut some hours in my week. And somebody, even some professional consultants would say, well, you really should, you know, uh, work this Friday and, and it would give you the X, Y, Z and you could make X amount more dollars. Uh, but it didn't translate for me because the time was more valuable than anything else um, to have that time. And in that concept that I mentioned earlier about expansive time, um, if you want to understand what expansive time is, um, try running your average errands on a Saturday morning versus on a Tuesday from nine to 11, you know, go from a Saturday from nine to 11 or nine to one, uh, try you get to get much less stuff done, right? Yeah. I mean, just it, like the barriers aren't there, right? Nobody's right. in the grocery store. The post office doesn't have a line. Um, you know, if you need to call someone, the likelihood of them being at their kid's game is minimal. So that's when time becomes expansive when you can do things, when others are engaged in, in work. You know, it's interesting we talk about time and I, and I just talked about how my priorities changed, right? Well, with that is how I had to change how I exercise, mm. right? Um, I don't have an hour every day to exercise. I don't. I, I, I cannot do all the things I need to do and exercise for an hour. Some days I do, but most of the time I don't. And I can't do it every day. Um, and so... What I am trying to accomplish is be active during the day in terms of walking and stuff like that. But, you know, if my priority is lifting some weights because, you know, either body composition or just resistance training makes me feel the best, then that's what I do because I know I have 35 minutes. So it's 35 minutes of lifting weights and I'm out. And that's okay. Yeah. You know? Um, and so... One of the things that I've seen a lot, and this is what separates what I try to accomplish through Stacked, what I try to accomplish through Rue, um, is this should be one part of your life. It should not be your life. Yeah, I like that. There is no one here that fitness should be the priority or nutrition should be the priority. It should be a priority, but not the priority. Yeah. And so when you separate the difference, okay, where does this rank in your day? If you're going to be harder on yourself because you miss a day working out because your day was so stressful from work and then you had to go get your kids and prep like that, don't work out. Don't worry about it. Stop thinking about it. Like, it's okay. Go to the next day. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like, it's okay. Or go for a walk later with your children or do something active like that. But for, I'm going to say it for a hundred percent of the people here at this gym, for a hundred percent of the people in our nutrition coaching program, like it does not define who you are. Mm -hmm. 
figure out a way to work it in your life. It shouldn't be your life. Yeah. Right. And so when you look at it like that, it can it can change how you view workouts, how you view intensity. Like, am I doing this because I want to be healthy for the long term? Um, how does that look? Well, that includes mental health as well. Sure. Mental health, emotional health. It's not just your normal health. And then, like, if you are so stressed out um, that working out or nutrition is causing additional stress, you are not becoming healthier. You are becoming unhealthy. Right. Because it affects other parts of your life. Uh, and that's kind of like where I want to take the gym and where I want to take nutrition is looking at this from a whole health perspective. Like how does this fit into your life? How does your life look around this? Mm-hmm. Right? I, I think I think the days of like, pushing there's there's a podcast called the best hour of your day because a lot of crossfit gyms used to call crossfit the best hour of your day Hmm. should working out be the best hour of your day Hmm. or should be your kids running in and giving you a hug that time you spend with them dinner with your family should that be the best hour of your day yeah and i would add that your kids running in and you being fit enough to bend over and pick them up and lovingly embrace them and spin them around and maybe dance around the room without get winded because you've done some weight training. Yeah. You've done some cardio work. Um, can you go on a hike with them? When you show up to the dad's event, are you the dad that's sitting on the side drinking a beer or drinking whatever with the other dads? Or are you the guy? No, I'm walking around without a, sh- without a shirt on. Yeah. <laughs> joking. Right. I'm joking. <laughs> are you the guy playing tag? You know, are you the guy being active and I think that having fitness be a major part of your yeah it's it's a it's a priority um and what I've realized more than ever in the past month is it's not the priority Mm. even as a gym owner and I want to help people realize how you can fit I empathize with people big time more than ever when someone's like here's my life I don't have time okay Mm. And a lot of gym owners and trainers would be like, that's bullshit. Mm. You have time to work out. Yeah. That's not the right response. Yeah. Let's look at this and say like, all right, let's look at your day. Where can we find time? Mm-hmm. We can do it, you know? Yeah. But it's it's being a little bit more empathetic to people's entire life situation. And I, I think... I mean, I own a fitness and a nutrition coaching company. I think it's super important. Um, I think it's super important how it affects our life, how it makes us feel and all those other things. Uh, but on a day-to-day basis, like we have to take what life gives us and make the best decisions based out of this. Sure. Sure. I agree. And find balance and all that too. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I've, my, my exercise and fitness has evolved into um, you know, working it into my day. Because it's easier for me to stop and do a set of dips and push-ups in between clients when I have a 10-minute break and just give, you know, a two-minute effort to do that and do some stretches. Yeah, that's great. You know, I'm not a great stretcher, um, but I do like working in the garden. So when I work in the garden, I make a point to bend in certain ways that allows me to stretch my legs and my hamstrings and such and, you know, get in deep squats to open up my hips. Um, Because I don't like just sitting there stretching, but I do like piddling in my garden. My energy levels as a human are different when I get over 10,000 steps. Mm. Yeah. 
I just feel different. And it's something as simple as that. It, it doesn't depend. Like I could have a super hard CrossFit workout and I hit like 7,000 steps for the day and I feel like a slug. Hmm. But I could not work out at all and hit 12,000 steps and I feel really good about my day. Right. About my energy output. Yeah. It's interesting. That is interesting. Yeah, because most people would think the opposite. They think, oh, I had this really intense workout. Well, I think what ends up happening is people do this really intense workout. They throw all their energy into that workout, and that's it for the day. They're toast. Yeah. They're toast. And so they, their body is in recovery, mm-hmm. and they're not able to be active the rest of the day. So consequently, their caloric expenditure output is vastly lower than the person who went and walked 12,000 steps today, which is interesting. Um, I'm not saying that's the end-all, be-all, because I believe in resistance training for body composition and fat loss, but like, there's something to be said for that, for sure. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, just the daily movement. You know, that that, uh, I can't remember the author, but the book Blue Zones, and it, it, it focuses on people... Um, in communities where they have a high percentage of uh, people 100 years old and more. And that was one of their things. Is that the, uh, like the Seventh-day Adventist study or something like that? I don't know if that is or not. No, I've heard of the Blue Zones, though. Yeah, so, and he wrote about it, and that was one of the keys, was that um, they have daily activity. He gave the example of, uh, in Japan, uh, beds and mattresses are on the ground. So at all ages of life, you have to have uh, the motor skills and the core strength to pull yourself up from a laying uh, supine position on the ground. No lifts, no arm brace, no, nothing. You roll off of your mat and you push yourself up. So 9 to 99 people are doing that. And there's a certain strength that's developed in being able to handle your body later in age that comes from simple acts like that. You know, it's pretty powerful. That's awesome. It is awesome. That's awesome. It is awesome, you know. I, I really like that. Yeah. Yeah, and think about what we do is we have assists around here. You know, we have uh, ramps to prevent us from walking up steps. Um, we have elevators to prevent us from set. We have uh, wheelchairs and strollers to prevent us from walking. We have, yeah. you know, uh, ways to assist us, but in the long term, maybe hurting us. Um, I've read a lot of studies recently that talks about like um, the ability to retain muscle mass. Mm. And the reality is, is like once you gain a certain amount of muscle mass, Mm -hmm. it is so easy to keep on. Hmm. Like not necessarily to gain more, but just to maintain like X percentage, 80, 90 percentage. 80 percentage 80 to 90 percent of that muscle mass like you can retain with minimal effort right right it is interesting it's interesting so what i'm getting at is like you put in the work for x amount of years and your life will be easier down the road like you just need to put in that work for a little bit of time and so i think about now like i've been putting in the work for a decade Mm -hmm. you know in terms of resistance training and here i am where i can work out 35 minutes four days a week and still feel really good about my muscle composition mm-hmm. or my body composition. Um, now, my nutrition is huge when it comes to that, absolutely, absolutely. huge, uh, because I recognize that I can maintain my look through nutrition and not fitness. So I'm not chasing mm-hmm. a weight, I'm not chasing a calorie 
output because I know my calorie input is exactly what it needs to be. Right. Um, and it just makes life easier. So the point I'm trying to make is that I just want people to stop chasing something via fitness. Like ask some experts, like how do I need to accomplish this and, and listen to them, trust them, trust that we know what we're talking about. Yeah. And I think overall, your body is a reflection of how you fuel it and how you move it. And if you want it to look differently in any way, then yeah. you have to really reassess how, how you fuel it and how you move it. Uh, I chuckle at some of my friends, two of my best friends, um, high energy guys could sell anything to anybody, um, both athletic. One of them was, uh, could have been a collegiate baseball player, super talented, um, uh, he's creative musician. Um, uh, he studied, uh, went into school, and and he is now in the IT world. And he spent, and he looks like still like yeah. a baseball player. He's got broad shoulders, you know, uh, thick forearms, big hands, um, and he sits at a at a computer typing all day. And and I was, and my other bud is the same way, high energy, um, just a great personality. Uh, and, and he sits with a headpiece on behind a computer all day. He's an air traffic controller. Oh. And and they both sit all day. And their bodies are not made to sit. I mean, you can see them yeah. moving around. And you can see these guys are meant to be physical. They're males that are meant to be outside doing hard stuff, you know? Right. And they're both sitting there. So that person then has to work harder in a way than the person who has a movement-based lifestyle. Yeah. Where they can naturally interject these times to walk more steps, um, you know, lift more things, um, balance and stretch their body. And they have a career kind of almost working against them, you know? And I was like, man, I, I think about that a lot. I look at body types um, because we all have a, a genetic um, kind of tendency of what we're going to look like. Yeah. And then there's an amount of work based upon your basic gene makeup, what you have to do to change that. And some people really have to work hard, uh, really have to change their diet to change, and others don't because- Yeah, I would say like genetics don't define who you are, but they certainly give some people advantages. Yeah. And that's true. Yeah, for sure. But it's no different than like being born to a wealthy set of parents. That's right. Your life will be a little bit easier than someone who's born in the projects. Yeah. Yeah. And by a little bit, I mean a lot. A lot. But the yeah. same can be said for genetics as well. So you, you know? said that muscle uh, mass thing, and I, I had a, a scary experience with that recently when I was sick and I lost 20 pounds and I was super dehydrated. I was anemic for a long time. And 20 pounds is a lot for Ryan. You know, his weight is already yeah. pretty low. What do you weigh? Yeah, I'm under 160. Yeah. So it's more than 10% of my weight. Yeah. Um, and it, it came off quickly and, the, and there was nothing I could do to put it back on. I was just in a state of depletion. I was really sick. Um, and one of the things that scared me most is has having been a cyclist for a long time is I have good balance and good leg strength. And within a month, I went to have, look like I had grandpa legs. Yeah. Like ni- 90 year old, big knees. Well, you um, couldn't, you couldn't fuel your muscles. Couldn't fuel the muscles. They had no energy in them. And um, I, I couldn't hydrate enough. Uh, the digestive system was a wreck because I was overloaded with the antibiotics and everything else. Yeah. I wasn't absorbing nutrients. They were trying to pump it into me IV and it still wasn't sticking. And that was one of the scariest things for me is that getting out of the bed 
Um, not only did I look horrible, but it took so much effort. Yeah. And recently I had a turn in my health and through lots of uh, work and treatment. And just last night, now six weeks ago, six, seven weeks ago, I was on um, oxygen assist and I was still probably 15 pounds underweight. Texting the babysitter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Keep going. Keep and going. just last night, uh, Linda said, I can't believe you've already gotten your leg strength back. And came she, back quickly. It came back quickly. I mean, bounced back. As soon as things started sticking and my track, my GI track um, got straight again, um, and I got off the antibiotics and got off the steroids and um, started getting rest. Uh, it just, it was, it was really shocking how quickly it came back. Because yeah. in my mind, I thought part of me, that that's gone forever, you know, to see it shed that quickly, you know? Yeah. It's funny. Like I, for the, when I finally got a six pack mm-hmm. after, you know, 30 something years hoping and praying <laughs> that I would get one. Right. I finally got one. Right. And I remember it took like six months, maybe a year. Every day I woke up, I, I'm like, is it still there? Right. <laughs> is it still there? Like I, I thought it was going to go away. Um, and I remember when I was in Wyoming, uh, I, I just, I didn't prepare right mentally. And it was just a shit show of epic proportions in terms of how I ate. Uh-huh. Um, and I like beat myself up so bad mentally and I was retaining water like crazy. And when I got home, that six pack wasn't there mm. and I freaked the fuck out okay <laughs> right um and i have a coach as well like everyone should have a coach that's what i always say yeah. everyone should have a coach um and he's like bradley like just go back to doing your thing you don't need to do anything special just go back to weighing and tracking like you were before sure it'll be fine within four days i had my six pack again. That's amazing. four days and i mean it was water weight but like just f- point is, is once you do the hard work to get there, yeah. it can take minimal effort to keep it. Okay. Yeah. And it's just the act of being willing to take that journey. Yeah. And so many people are like afraid of the journey or I'll never get it. You will. You just have to take the first step yeah. and then focus on the process. I just, I just yeah. had that conversation with a client of mine in nutrition. He's, he's very focused on a specific weight goal. He's already lost 50 pounds with me. Already lost 50 pounds, okay, Um, in about a year. And he had some massive, massive, like, mental blocks and roadblocks that came up in his personal life that he was still able to accomplish despite one month, two months, three months of plateau because of all these roadblocks in his life. But he kept responding to me. I kept him engaged. We got through the roadblocks and here we are. Um, but I told him, I was like, stop focusing on this number. I want you to focus on the next meal mm. and then the meal after that. Mm-hmm. You know, if we try to do a million things this week because you got excited about some weight loss and you're focused on that number, mm. you're going to wear yourself out right. and we won't get there. Okay. Let's just focus on the process. Yeah. And that's how Nick Saban wins championships, right? Yeah. Most people know that. He focuses on the process. It's, it, he does not, he cares about the, the score at the end of the game, but it's how did you perform on play number 22, play number 23, play number 24? Did you make your assignment? That's what he cares about. That's what he's looking at. Yeah. 
You know, the practice yeah. in July, right? Like, hey, you missed this block on oh, a right. Tuesday practice in July, two months away from the football season, you yeah. know? Like, that's what I need you to focus on. Not, I don't want you to worry about the playoffs at the end of the year. Right. Let's focus on the this practice result. on Tuesday. One, uh, I, I wish I could remember her name. She's pretty stunning. Uh, follow her on Instagram. She's a ballerina, um, super intense uh, dancer, professional mm-hmm. dancer. And she's just quirky as all hell. But she did a post once because all of her photo shoots, she's just striking. She's a beautiful lady. She's obviously worked hard to keep herself in shape. But she does a great job of posting at non-peak times. And she'll say, I want you to understand that my body is like everyone else's. I respond to hydration to hormones, yeah, um, and for women especially, that's a big one. But I bet for guys, I would say too, because cortisol is a stress hormone, yeah. and uh, the body responds differently to that and how you hang on. To, I'll to tell food. a story about that in a second. Yeah, and so her um, posting those pictures and that explanation of this is the transition that you know my body goes through almost monthly or weekly um, was refreshing to see because you experienced it too. You know, you have a, a bad weekend or so. Are you going to let that beat you up for weeks, months, or whatever? Or are you going to accept that as part of the process, refocus on the yeah. steps, and get back into the motion? So right around Hurricane Ida, um, I guess this was like it was the end of August, right? Hurricane Ida? Which was like a month removed from when I got back from Wyoming. So we went at the end of mid-July. Um, I believe. And so I got back and I I had gotten my body back. I was pretty cut up and shredded again. Um, Hurricane Ida hits. And that's kind of when my life became altered for good. Um, And every week presented more stress and new stress Mm. um, day to day. Like, and I was just surviving. Meanwhile, I weighed and tracked my food Every fucking day, okay, um, because I can't control that, right? But what happened is I started gaining weight mm. every single day. Mm. Now, the odd thing is I didn't look like I was weighed, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did. I looked. I was, and I was pretty okay with it. Like I was becoming scale resistant, but. You know, for someone who suffered from body dysmorphia for years, mm-hmm. like seeing that number go up on the scale every day, despite you were doing all the right things, yeah, is pretty jarring. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I actually like I cut my calories to try to take the water off. Mm-hmm. Did not budge. Hmm. Um, and then finally, like when I accepted my situation. The water started to go away and my weight started to come down. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was the stress that I was carrying that mm-hmm. was creating that weight gain. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I kind of went through another stressful thing again. And then I kind of let some stuff all out this past weekend and I dropped another four pounds. Mm. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty insane. Yeah. And I had a client of mine... Um, she's going through a difficult situation in her life and we started tracking macros and through the first four weeks of the program she she actually gained weight Mm. and she's like i don't understand i'm doing this diet program this nutrition program with you what the fuck is going on i'm like look 
your life is getting crazier each week. Yeah. Like we're journaling about it. Like I'm reading about it. Like yep. this is some heavy, heavy stuff. Like this is your body responding and trying to protect you in a way yeah. that's creating some inflammatory things. Um, and that is what's happening. And sure is enough, like, and I, all, I love seeing this, is we ask people to rate their, um, how they feel mm-hmm. on a scale of one to five, one being bad, five being great. And as soon as those like twos and threes change to threes, fours, and fives, she had a four pound drop. Hmm. And nothing else changed except how she felt. Right. Wow. And, and weight came off. Um, and so point being here is there's many, many factors to fluctuations in weight. Uh, and I think people tend to forget how important, you know, stress is mm-hmm. and sleep. Yeah. You know, those two things. I, I mean, I thought of those because you were talking about cortisol levels, but uh, that's hugely important. There are so many factors. Um, and again, that's why, like, I, I, I want to balance people in the gym. I want to balance their intensity levels. I want to balance their recovery. I want to balance how they work nutrition into their life because that whole health, um, when we talk about it mentally, emotionally, and physically, is super important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And then I think as you get older and as you move through different uh, times in your life, it becomes even more important. Um, I remember it when I was younger, if I didn't recognize it till later, but um, probably in my uh, late 20s, early 30s, I was doing more triathlon. And um, anytime I didn't recognize this till the back end of it, but when people started saying, I mean, you look really good right now. That was a mental check of I was using fitness to cope with not being good inside. Yeah. Right. So I was in an adrenaline based endurance sport looking for that high. Um, So that became like a light going off for me when people would say, man, you look really lean. You look really good. Like, oh, geez, you know, I need to sit for a second and see where I am with this, you know. Whereas now I think mentally I'm in a much better place um, and I accept those fluctuations in my physical appearance and my strength. You know, I don't like to see the major ones that I went through with, you know, being sick, but um, certainly recognize there are days where I wake up and, and I can run X amount of miles comfortably. And there's other days when just getting through that first mile is, you know, a real challenge. Do you use fitness to chase endorphins or... Is that just a happy result you get because you use fitness for something else in your life? So uh, initially I chased the endorphins. Yeah. And then at some point there was some clarity achieved. And and now it just fits naturally into my life. I'm the same way. And I find that if you continually chase the endorphins, it can be rather destructive. Mm -hmm. Like fitness can end up turning unhealthy. Yes. I got out of um, uh, registered runs and rides when it became about the metal. Yeah, like it when it would when people started. Uh, well, you're not a professional athlete, so pushing yourself where like the end result is everything, right? Or the endorphins are everything. Mm-hmm. Well, then you forget like all these other markers in your life that are like, hey, 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 slow down. Yeah, chill out. Take a break. Oh, right. 
I did something funny one day. I like to go and volunteer. I live out near the lakefront and a lot of the longer runs and rides are out there. And I'll go out there just spontaneously and just volunteer at a water station, give out yeah. waters and such. And um, I was at one one time where it was like mile 15. So it was past the half marathon split yeah. and into the first part of the marathon. And I was going through like a mental checklist of people like, Brother, you should have turned off at the half. Like I'm telling you, right? And I was not saying this. Everyone, I was saying, you look great. Keep it up. You know, right. you know, here's some water, all that stuff. But it was very clear that some people um, were doing something that that they had trained up for and was natural to them. They looked a certain way. They yeah. carried it. They breathed a certain way. And then there are other people that were fighting and grinding this thing. And I'm thinking to myself, why are you doing this? You know, just turn around and walk back, you know. Um, to say they did it. To say they did it. And is that helpful to their body? Because no. if you sit back and you look at those people, you'll see a lot of them running with odd gates and strained backs and pain in their face. You know, it's not enjoyable. And One of the things that I've gotten a lot better at in the past year um, in terms of being a fitness and nutrition coach is – trying to understand the why behind why someone does something. Mm -hmm. um, so for example, someone comes up to me and they're like, well, I want to run a marathon by the end of the year. Okay, mm -hmm. why? Let's unpack that. Yeah. Right? I mean, there needs to be meaning behind why you want to do something because a year from now might be a terrible goal based off of your current lifestyle and stuff like that. Or, you know, I want to achieve X results by this day. Okay. Why? Mm -hmm. um, it just, it can create a better picture and maybe we can reframe what you're actually trying to accomplish um, and refine the goal a little bit more. Yeah. I think that's so important to understand why you're doing it and to, to be real about it. You know, if, if you're, training like a mad woman because you know bikini season's coming up and you have a, a, a reunion or something like that and be real about it say you know i want to look great for my reunion and, and yeah I'm be real about it. it i love that be, be real, real about, about it. it you know if if you're if you're running and um you want to do a marathon because um because you really want that medal and you want to display it in your office so your co-workers will say that you're you're obviously a marathon runner be real about that too don't, you know, just say, I want to be able to hang up a, a medal and say that I completed this thing. Um, you know, some people want to be runners. Some people just want to finish a marathon. Finish, yeah. you know. And, um, yeah, it was like when I, when I was um, doing triathlon, it was like, was I um, doing this to compete or to complete? And when I started to recognize I was doing it to complete, I was like, well, I can complete it on another day. Right. A lot less people right. have a lot more enjoyment. Um, I think people forget to why they come to the gym. And I, that's like, kind of like, I get this question all the time. Do you guys still do CrossFit? And in fact, I'll just say this. There are other CrossFit gyms out there telling people we don't do CrossFit. Mm. Okay. That's something they have to deal with. I, I don't really care. Okay. Um, we are technically an affiliate. And I think CrossFit is a methodology. Um but the fact of the matter is, is like every single person needs to understand why they are coming to the gym. Why did they choose this type of fitness? Um, so here at Rue, like my goal isn't for anyone to be able to go to some CrossFit competition and podium. That is not my fucking goal. And if that's your goal, can you achieve that here? 
Absolutely. If that is the main reason why you are working out to go to some competition and stand up on a podium, then you should go to a different gym. Yeah. Like that is not what I care about. Okay. If you've been listening to this podcast so far, I care about your health. I care about your longevity. I care about um, how smartly I program your workouts on a daily basis so that on Monday doesn't affect Wednesday that affects Thursday and Friday and now you have a shitty weekend because you can't walk right. Mm -hmm. Or if I continually do these types of things that'll make you podium at a competition so you can be first in the scale division, okay? Right. (laughs) Right? Like you're going to have a jacked up knee and bad hip flexors in a year and a half because I I didn't... Right. I didn't keep your health in mind, right? Yeah. And so it just leads more into people understanding why. And I mean, that's just a longer version of what we're talking about here. Um, yeah, and then wh- where that translates to everyday life is that I was talking to a friend about my illness recently, and he too uh, was fitness focused in his life. And he said, for all these years, I thought I was training to run a race or to um, compete in this and that, I was really training to survive a hard event. Yeah. Because at some point in your life, you're going to be medically challenged, um, you know, whether it be a heart issue, a diabetes, a cancer, something like that. And your lifestyle and whether or not you've challenged your yourself on a daily basis through fitness um, will dictate how you respond and how you heal in that moment. So for me, that was another awakening because people would say, oh, um, you know, uh, I feel so sorry for you because your lungs are really affected. Um, You know, you may never be able to ride the bike or play the horn again. And and my response was, well, thank God I did ride the bike and play the horn because I feel my lungs are stronger than most people's. Yeah. Um, Because of that, my tolerance um, has been built up. I love that. I love, you know, and, and. Man, when I started CrossFit, that's what we talked about, being fit for life. Yeah. Um, Kevin has a shirt. Uh, our coach Kevin has a shirt that says uh, CrossFitters are harder to kill. Mm. Yeah. Right? He's really hard to kill. Yeah. <laughs> warming up, just doing uh, ridiculous bad carries and things. Yeah. The gym. Uh, <laughs> but that's true. Like, that was the original intention. Yeah. And it's turned into some shit show of intramural sports. Right. It you know? is an intramural sport. Intramural sport, right? Like you're basically playing uh, co-ed indoor soccer or flag football at tag gormley, except you're throwing around heavy weights. So. Yeah. Yeah, and you talked about wear and tear on body. I can tell you now, you know, a few years out from 50, one of the biggest compliments that, that someone gives me or, or Linda um regarding to appearance it doesn't come down to biceps or quads or calves or anything like that they'll they'll say you're how old i love that that is like that's when like all right the work is worth it because we just shocked somebody by telling them how old we were and that we have kids that are you know uh in college yeah there's no way you have kids how old are you you know like that's a bigger compliment to me than saying, uh, I love your pecs. Yeah. You know, or I wish right. I had pecs like you. That doesn't mean anything. I don't have any pecs, but if I did, that doesn't mean anything to me. You know, um, it's that, that the, the, the vibe, carrying yourself with an energy and, and a, a, a vibrance. Well, you know, it's funny. Like, you, I hear you talking about that, and, and I agree. And, 
you know, two years ago, I wouldn't have agreed with that. It would have been different for me because guys, like things change as we get older and as life goes on. Um, and you just need to be able to recognize that and be willing to move with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting thing, like, uh, one of the things I talked about with my therapist, um, which I, I love, I, I never had a therapist. Now I've had a therapist. I've been to like 10, 10 sessions. Um, and, I talked about for the longest time me being like one of those uh, ships in the Arctic Ocean that's carving a path through the ice so that other ships can go through. Um, And that's not how I want to be and that's not how I want to operate now. And now I find myself operating more like a stream that is moving with how the banks of the river provide and I'm responding to the external stimulus in the world and reacting to that and moving with it instead of trying to carve my way through it. Um, It's not that there's necessarily anything wrong with that. There's a time and place for everything. But for me now, uh, I find that life is so much easier if you respond and react rather than trying to just cut right through it Mm -hmm. yeah i like the analogy um you know if you're ever sitting in traffic and it's and it's raining and you're in your car and uh, just take a second and watch a drop of rain move down your windshield. oh the windshield yeah it is it's interesting yeah i love it because it's it moves kind of left and right jiggles and slows down speeds up it'll pick up a couple of other drops and run to a section um yeah the older i get the more i i am um to kind of work my way through resistance uh, versus challenging it and and butting it with strong thoughts and actions we're officially at 90 minutes the longest podcast we've ever done um i need to go pick up my kids what uh (laughs) it is 7 30 p.m what uh and you got to ride back to lakeview yep or no past that yeah um what any last questions for me um you talked about a gift recently what's a really good gift you've received you were talking about your uh your cutting board that yeah a friend gave me a cutting board um but i love handwritten notes Mm. yeah i um i love receiving them uh i don't get them that often but i do love them yeah um so to me, it's like the gift of time. Yes. Anyone can order something off of Amazon right. and send it to you. That's super easy. Yeah. Okay. And I think thoughtfulness is something, right? Yeah. But handwriting out a note. Yep. Um, I'm gonna give a shout out to my cousin David Kenny. Uh, he told me. I don't know if he still does this, but he told me for a while every Thanksgiving he he would write something like three thank you notes to someone who influenced his life in a positive way every year and he would do that at thanksgiving and send those out and three is not a big number but how yeah can you imagine receiving that yeah so uh, uh, my good buddy matt who lives out in california spent a lot of time with he introduced me to this concept and i'll flip over my calendar to show you but uh he leaves little positive sticky notes when he visits so um yeah, you know, he left one, Ryan, isn't it great that we can march to different drum yet have such strong connections with others? You have always inspired me to do both. 
You get, you get me. me. Oh, Thank okay. you. X and O. And he, uh, I don't remember where, but this was probably in my house. There are several drums. So he made a drum reference. It was probably on a drum. Um, like I'll sometimes take a random box out of my pantry and there'll be a sticky note on it. Or I'll open up my sock drawer and I'll find a note from him. So I've since uh, started doing that when I visit or hang out with people. Um, and I'll leave a little note. Uh, it's a lot faster than written, a handwritten note. Yeah, but I like it. But yeah. It's, uh, it's, you know, just a really cool way to just tell someone you love them and you think about them. And um, I keep his because he put several of them in my planner. So if you flip through my planner, I have, you know, yeah. ones that he keeps because I like to go back and read them. They mean that much to me, you know. Well, that's one thing, you know, we talked about before what gets me excited and stuff like that. And, I kind of talked about for a while all the shitty things I did over time. Um, but one of the things that I definitely want to strive to get better at is like personal connections mm. where I feel like I'm trying to do so much that I'm losing the things that are super important. And it's like being a good friend mm -hmm. and reaching out to people and stuff like that. And yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't always work. Um, People's lives get super busy and we get caught up in our own shit, but like yeah. I could be more thoughtful. Yeah. So one of the ways that I, I, I'm working to improve myself is that I often deflect when people try to give me love mm -hmm. and love in the form of words, um, an affirmation, a thank you. Um, I'll, again, I'm a little socially awkward, so I'll deflect that. Um, oh, whatever. It was nothing. Ever, you know, instead of just stopping and really embracing that. Yeah. Um, I think that's uh, a way we can all grow is that when someone reaches out and extends that is to just truly open your heart and receive it in a way and say, thank you. That means a lot that you said that. Um, I do that uh, by harvesting these moments in my day um, where I try to recognize those moments and when I recognize them, I share that recognition. So, for example, I would say, Bradley, it means a lot to me that you would ask me to do this uh, for your birthday. Um, I appreciate our friendship and the time we spend together. Um, then, so I've recognized it. I've shared it. So you yeah. and I are now connected in that thought and in, in that emotion. And then later in the day, I'll usually write that down, uh, that positive uh, mm -hmm. moment. And then I'll nurture it later with thought. So later in the day, I'll reflect back either at my writing or my thoughts and say, that was a really good feeling sitting with Brad for 90 minutes yeah. and doing that podcast. You know, it, it really felt great. Yeah. You know? And I found that those interactions are so valuable and have allowed my heart to expand. Um, and it's something that I have to work on. You know, I really have to work because when you get busy in your day, you don't necessarily stop and recognize, yeah. those, you know, and recognizing those interactions is so key. Just, uh, you know, being present and thanking someone. Um, I was trying to think of a story, someone, um, oh, it'll come back to me, but it, it was about one of those thankful moments yeah. where, um, I think I, I thanked someone and, and it really blew them away. And they came back to me later and said how much that redirect. Oh, it, oh, they were having a bad day. That's what it was. It was a friend I was talking to recently. And I just shared something that, hey, you know, I've always loved your laugh. And it just fills right. my heart. And it's good to see you. And I wish I had a laugh like yeah. that. Well, he was having a bad day. I didn't know that. We were having just a chance encounter. 
And uh, I heard him laugh as part of it. And he later came back and said, I don't know if you knew that I needed to hear that, but you said something and it, you know, it filled my heart and filled me in a way that carried me forward. So, um, I love that. I I mean, I think, and and we're going to wrap it up right here, guys. Uh, bedtime for the kids, (laughs) but bedtime for Ryan. But I think one thing that has really resonated throughout this entire conversation you and I had, um, and it kept coming up again and again and again, and it's, being present, whether it's being present in the moment or being present in an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And opening, our, opening your heart to receive that. I love abundance, it. For sure. All right. Well, Ryan, thanks for doing this, man. Happy birthday to you. Thank you. All right, y'all. Peace out. All right.